Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a walking ramification. And I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive, and then I smashed the shit out of his windows, Lex. What did he do to you? Welcome to episode 220, Fall Brawl 1996. Wanna play with the big boys in a cage? Is that an invite or a threat? <laughs> Let me finish. Oh, sorry. But it's War Games! <laughs> I always forget about the War Games. Shouldn't the show just be called WCW War Games? You'd think so. Like, Fall Brawl, we've talked about this probably a million times, but just one title. War Games is a better title than Fall Brawl, I think, if, as long as you have the double cage match, which they always do. But then you're only able to have war games at war games. This way you can have war games whenever you want to on any show that you want but to. But they only have it at Fall Brawl. Yeah, I mean, they used to do it at Bash at the Beach, but that was... Or Great American Bash. Great American Bash, sorry. But that was 10 years ago. The war games at Fall <laughs> You know, Brawl. that was like 86, 87. Yeah. So this is the fourth annual Fall Brawl produced by WCW. It took place on September 15th, 1996 at the the Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, with an attendance of 11,300 people. We're in fire country. Mm-hmm. That's right. Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum. That's it's a mouthful, a, right? Yeah. I know. I was like, oh, how many more words? Like, you know he probably went by Larry, so it's like Larry Joel. Yeah, the Larry, the Larry Joel Coliseum. And he went by Billy. <laughs> It's taken. You could be Billy, but nobody's going to know who you are. You're not a piano man, or maybe you are. Oh, man. I saw a really great video recently of current Andrew Dice Clay uh, meeting Billy Joel, and he keeps bringing up songs. He's like, hey, can you do that one? And he's like, those aren't my songs or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, but can you, can you, can you do it tonight, though? He's like, no, that's what I mean. He's obviously like, very pissed off and isn't quite getting uh, the joke. It was very good. So shout out to the Dice Man. And Billy Joel. <laughs> but we are in Winston-Salem. Damn right we are. So Shane, <sighs> did you do what you do? I believe I did. You brought two packs of cigarettes. One menthol. <laughs> right. One not menthol. Bring on the NASCAR. But no, that is not what I brought. We are back in North Carolina. And here we are at the Fall Brawl at the War Games. The Brawl to Fall Them All. Whichever way you want to word it. The brawl to fall them all. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I did what I do. It seems to be a, a trend with, with our last couple of shows anyways. Uh, so I figured why not just pull off the three-peat. And we're just going to go right on back to, to Clark Crew Barbecue here in Oklahoma City. Because, you know, North Carolina is famous for their barbecue. They have their own little... The Carolinas have their own way of, of queuing. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, your... Your Kansas City, your Oklahoma, Texas. your Texas, or wherever else barbecue is popular. 
North Carolina is on the vinegar-based, mustard-based sauce, dry rubs, hardwood smokes. So Clark's Crew has a, a wide variety on their menu of different meats and sandwiches and plates and platters and trays and all kinds of stuff. And I just so happened to find two that were kind of fitting for the wrestling slash war games theme of the night. Two different sandwiches, one of them called the Knuckle Sandwich, which perfectly appropriate for the show. Where yes, I'm sure we'll see a few. Yeah, guys in a cage just slapping the shit out of each other. That one consists of uh, smoked bologna, smoked ham, smoked bacon, pimento cheese, another popular item in North Carolina. And then it's served on Texas toast. I was saying it would go good with another Carolina favorite, which would be a fried green tomato on there, just to add a little, a little pickle flavor, a little something. A vegetable. Something, something. A vegetable. Exactly, a vegetable. And then I also got what's called the champ, which is chopped pork, sausage, and then coleslaw on a toasted bun. I attempted to make a Carolina barbecue sauce, but I didn't quite have all of the ingredients or enough of all the ingredients to make a traditional one, so I I shamed it up and added some extra stuff to it. I added a little bit of mayo mustard mixture as well as yellow mustard, uh, some brown sugar, some apple cider vinegar. Didn't have white pepper, so I used black pepper, a little bit of salt, and then it called for Louisiana hot sauce, but didn't have any of that, so I used some of the Cholula sweet uh, habanero, just a go. few little dashes of that in there. Added uh, a little bit of dried mustard and a sprinkle of some garlic granules, and then it came with its own traditional barbecue sauce, so I just added a little splash of that in there too, because uh. I figured, what the hell, we'll just round it out with some actual barbecue sauce. And it came out to be, I mean, it's mustardy. You can taste, at least I can, because I'm very sensitive to the taste of mayonnaise. So I can taste a little bit of the creaminess from the mayonnaise in there. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's almost like a, I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. It's, it's like there's, I get a French dressing kick from it because of the sweetness to it. But then Michael actually had. Yeah, actually had some. Carolina <coughs> barbecue sauce in his fridge, so we had to compare the two, and they taste nothing alike, but they're equally. Okay. I mean, the, yeah, they're both. You the know, the actual one is a little bit better, but there's a little a little vinegary, but it's still good. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like the Carolina barbecue sauce I've had in Carolina was a little bit more. I had a little more of a vinegar flavor than this one that was in my refrigerator, and it may have been that I did not cook it down enough, or maybe I reduced it too much to where it. Enhance the flavor of the vinegar. Yeah. But not bad, it, though. Not bad for just, you know, pulling it out of your ass. Yeah. So, we'll do what else I do here, and we'll take a bite in front of a microphone, because why not talk with your mouth full if you can? With the old moist meat bite. Oh, hello. Yeah, it's not too bad. The slaw, the meats, it's probably better when it's warm, but I've been sitting here talking for 45 minutes with a sandwich in front of me. Yeah, I don't know. How do you hold yourself back? It's from teaching training classes all these years. <laughs> you used to eating cold food, so I'm like the mom on a Christmas story where <laughs> I can have a hot meal in front of me, but I'll find something to distract me until it's ice cold before I take my first bite. Both these sandwiches were delicious. Yeah, I mean, I was a, a sucker for that pimento one with the bologna on it. Absolutely. Though. Pimento cheese yeah, makes sandwiches so. Cage match, sandwich versus sandwich. Which one wins? Pimento. I'll take a knuckle sandwich anytime. There you go. Yeah, it was. It's the. 
It's the like you made the you made the sauce, and I literally was like, neither one of these it. neither one of these sandwiches need the sauce. No, nope. nah, but you know we're in North Carolina. He had to raise up. I had to try take his shirt off. It was fairly easy. Wave around his head. Like it takes ten minutes. Yeah. Well, something that would happen right around the same time mm. as the show, a few TV shows would debut. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Raymond. Deborah. Do they really? Spin City. And Clueless. Uh, the te- Clueless, the television show. The television yes. show. Which I believe, I don't know, did was Donald Faison on there, or was it just uh, Stacey Dash? I think he was for... It was Stacey Dash on the bit. show, though? Yeah. Cher was there. Or not. It was just Stacey Dion, Dash. Dion, yeah. Stacey Dash and Wallace Shawn were okay. the two. Oh, Wallace Shawn. I was thinking that old Faison made an appearance on there, but I never actually watched the show, so I don't know. Paul yeah. Rudd actually made an appearance at one point, too. Really? Mm. Huh. Stacy Dash. Uh, what a batshit babe. Yeah. She's, she's, uh, I've, I've heard the saying all... Oh, wait. Faison did it. Did he just make an appearance? No, he was a main character. Okay. Uh, okay. It has his middle name here, so I was like, it, was, oh. it looked weird. Yeah. Just like scrolled right past it. Yeah. A day shun? I forgot there was a show yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for a second. What you trying to get into, a day shun? Sorry, that's probably trademarked or copyrighted. Please don't Michael Buffer me. <laughs> yeah. Never really watched Spin City or Everybody Loves Raymond. I do love Peter Boyle. Um, he was on Everybody Loves Raymond, right? Yeah, he was the... Okay. He's like the dad. The dad or grandpa. Yeah. Yeah, I never... That show is still... I mean, it's still playing in reruns and streaming and whatnot, and it's... Everybody else seems to love it, but I just have never been able to get into Was it. Was it a CBS show? So yes. we were three that's why. That that's why I never watched love it. Love Raymond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I liked Raymond, but I, I didn't love him. Watch it. But CBS doesn't do, hasn't done good sitcoms in forever. That's just like they. I guess people like them, but you're not. I'm not watching fucking Two and a Half Men or The Big Bang Theory. Like those aren't for me. I'd say I like Big Bang Theory. Yeah. It took me a while to to want to watch it just because in my eyes, oh. Leonard was David from Roseanne, and yeah. I couldn't see him as anyone else. But I just don't like the CBS. How I Met style. Your Mother was e- another one that every, I didn't everyone, watch for a long time. Everyone tells me that I'd love Big Bang Theory, which and makes I'm, you not want to watch. And it. I've like, watched like one episode, and I'm just like, I feel like they're talking down to, <laughs> to nerds more than they're the um, celebrating the culture. Is the guy <laughs> Chuck? Like, is it Chuck Lorre or whatever? Yeah, Chuck Lorre. Yeah, I just don't like his vibe. I don't like his style of show. Obviously, I'm wrong because uh those shows typically fucking do gangbusters but i've none of them ever connected with me yeah like two and a half men i never got into that show more i mean i was probably the only one of his shows that like i actually watched on a semi-regular basis did he also do what's the show everybody loves uh how i met your mother no no Okay. that one i loved yeah i know people love that show i just was i was thinking i was like is that's the one I thought that was him, and I thought that was the one that people were like, oh, no, it's actually good, as opposed to just being like, I like it. No, see, like, How I Met Your Mother, that was another one I didn't watch for the longest time because it it started up shortly after Friends ended, and it was, fuck you guys, you're not going to take the place of my friends. And it's a different then, like, kind of show, three though. years into it, I watched one episode, and I was like, like what? What the fuck did I wait all this yeah, time like, oh, for? I, like I gotta go back and watch it from the beginning. I literally I was watched like the then. first two seasons in like a, a week to get <laughs> caught up before the third season started. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't watch long-form television shows. I only watch 
old sitcoms, but I'm not itching to start Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, like Everybody Loves Raymond, everybody talked about how great it was, and it won you know a bunch of awards all the time for Patricia Heaton and Doris Roberts. I think old Peter Boyle won some Emmys too for his role, and Brad Garrett. But I just Raymond was the one that kept me from wanting to watch the show because I just didn't yeah, find I've, him funny. I've never been. But I mean, it could be one guy. of those things where like. I love Seinfeld, but I am willing to admit that Jerry Seinfeld is the least good part of oh, Seinfeld. Yeah. I, and I think yeah. everybody agrees. Totally. It's like, oh, it's it's Larry David, and then it's everybody else's performances that are actually that are actually good. Yeah. Uh, whereas like Jerry's kind of the but boring I mean, one. He's not an actor. He's, no, no. So I mean, that's yeah, how you that's how you do a successful TV show around a. Comedian yeah. who's not an actor. I mean, he gets a pass for sure because it's one of the greatest sitcoms ever. Yes. But uh, like he is, if uh, he was surrounded by lesser talent, the show would not have worked. Yeah, agreed. Even with the great writing. But yeah, Spin City. I need to go back and actually start that one over because I've never watched the entire thing I mean, all if, the way if, through. If we ever get more time in our lives, Shane, Shane and I are going to do a Bill We're Lawrence. Do a Bill Lawrence show. Bill Lawrence podcast, Which, watching through all of his shows. What, okay, give me the Bill Lawrence. You got Spin City. Okay, you got Scrubs. You got Cougar Town. You got Ted Lasso. Shrinking. Shrinking. Clone you High. Got Clone High. Ground you got Four. Some episodes of Friends. Got some episodes of Nanny. Boy Meets World. Okay, like he's literally been a writer. On... Has he written any movies? That's one thing um, I didn't think of until just now. But I mean, Bill Lawrence is a... no. He's only done television. Yeah. None of those shows really. Uh... Hit with me. I did watch Scrubs. He wrote some, he wrote some Friends episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Rush Hour. He wrote some. He was the showrunner on Rush Hour. He was a writer or he was a producer on Undateable, which is a favorite of mine. I forgot about that show. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it was short lived. It's a show that if you tell people about, it's like it doesn't sound appealing. Yeah. Because it's the. It's Chris D'Elia. Yeah, and that's either and, you like him or you can't stand him. And Whitney Cummings shows Same up in the, in the third <laughs> yeah, season, yeah. so it's like strong you, personality. You tell people about those, two and they're like most people go, "No, thank you." Yeah, but it's also the first thing that you you get your a lot of people's first experience of Ron Funches. Uh, okay, and Ron Funches is great. Yeah, I don't so. think Chris DeLeo really wrote jokes, which is why I don't like him. Was he one of those? I'm going to take other people's stuff and call it mine. No, they just weren't. No, they just, just weren't. Did. They just weren't jokes. He just oh. goes up there and just like says a bunch of silly stuff, but they're not like there's no jokes. But that show, Undateable, like it was it was good, and then they actually went live in season three, like they did basically live to tape the SNL thing where they were live on the East Coast and the West Coast, oh, so they did shit. it twice a night, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of improv and stuff. And that third season is magic. Really? I can't imagine... It wasn't at the final season? Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine... Oh, I mean, the ratings were so bad that they were just like, we'll do anything at this point. It may have hit around the time of the writers. That's crazy. I'd never even heard of it. I mean, uh, I know that... Yeah, I can't imagine uh, Whitney Cummings being able to uh, contain herself enough to read lines live because she's a fucking wacko. No shade, but I mean, she's a crazy person. And then, yeah, Clueless, I've never watched any of... 
I remember probably like flipping That's past so. it, but I loved the movie. And there was that thing in the uh, like eighties and up, I guess, through the mid to early nineties, where if there was a hit movie and it had a premise strong a enough, they they could turn it into a show. Weird Science, they made a show. Yeah, mm-hmm. Weird. Was talking. That's what they made a show. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't baby know. Talk. No, damn. Yeah, it was. It, There's it a reason was I haven't like heard of it. TGIF for four episodes, and that was dead. Yeah, the Clueless TV show was not good. No, but it, I mean, it, I guess for the network it was on, it held on for more seasons than I would have imagined it. Would. Yeah. Maybe it was I just, mean, literally, maybe it was literally just... if Stacey Dash and Don Faison hadn't been in it, yeah. I probably would have never watched an episode to and begin with. Probably never would have got out of the first season. Plus, it's like, well, Stacey Dash is such a babe that people probably tuned in just to see a babe on TV. Yeah. I mean, they say black don't crack, and she's... <laughs> She's definitely kept the the She's, saying strong because she looks the same in 2023 as she did in 1995. Maybe that's the price but for having your brain be melted. If it don't crack, it goes whack. Because she is <laughs> fucking out there. And yeah. Donald Faison even All opinions are courtesy. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Dug my key in the side of her car, too. But Yeah, Donald Faison agrees. He's, he's said it many a times that she's out there. So, yeah, it probably a fun um, a fun YouTube rabbit hole if you're unfamiliar with Stacy Dashes. Just maybe look up some of her like news interviews. You'll get a vibe real quick. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole. I don't know if I ever want to go down. <laughs> Let's see, Spin City. I don't know if I. I don't know if I can watch any Charlie Sheen Spin City. I don't know if I'm gonna like it because he's Bill Lawrence actually left at the same time Michael J. Fox did. Yeah. That's that's one of the reasons too is I don't really care for Charlie Sheen all that much in scripted shows. I like or in live interviews. I or... love him in uh, Hot Shots Part <laughs> One. Winning. And two. Yeah, Hot Shots One and Two. Oh yeah, Hot great. Shots like early Charlie Sheen was great. Major League baby. Yeah, incredible. And then once Young Guns, not a great movie but a fun movie. Once he became you know a horror around, oh, I guess he was always kind of a horror around Hollywood, but. Yeah, once he started smoking crack. Something, yeah. Minute Work? Never seen Minute Work. Yeah. That's him and his brother. Yeah. I mean, so is Young Guns, but that's like, they are the two leads. You would like Minute Work. Because, yeah, I always am surprised when I see Young Guns that, like, he gets killed early. And Spoilers. Then, and, Spoilers. <laughs> come on, guys. It's not, yeah. And then, uh, we've talked to Young Guns on the show already. Yeah. Early Charlie Sheen was great, and then... The late 90s hit and everything was just like blah from remember there. the chase where he kidnaps that and girl Christy with, Swanson yeah with a yeah with a heck yeah with a uh, butterfinger bar and then they like have start, sex and they have sex and yeah. that's the movie while, while cops chase them I just remember yeah. being on TV a lot and be like being a, a small child and being like Christy Swanson Christy Swanson's hot <laughs> yeah but I yeah I, I don't remember anything else except for that he robbed the store with a butterfinger well, enough about those three shows. Which yeah, that got way more time than I expected. Woo! Yeah. Mixed mixed reactions from all of us there. Yeah, yes. yeah. Let's no, talk. No, yeah. Let's talk some wrestling. Mm-hmm. We get highlights from the NWO taking over, where we see Hall and Nash invading Nitro. You want a war? Hogan's turn and winning of the title, before spray painting the belt as well. DiBiase's in the crowd. We get more destruction of property. Followed by Sting and Luger taking off in a cop car in pursuit. The Giant then turns on WCW 
while Nick Patrick summons Lex to the parking lot where he sees the Stinger step out of a limo and attack Luger. What? And the Outsiders smash Lex's rental car. Yeah, we did. I didn't have insurance on that. Tony Schiavone then welcomes us to the show, and he's joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes for commentary. They discuss how the NWO has delivered shockwaves to WCW before they watch the clips of Sting's turn and the destruction of Luger's car again. I mean, yeah, everyone thinks that Sting has joined the NWO. That's a, that's a big deal. He's the franchise. You know, no shade to Shane Douglas, but Sting is kind of been the face of the company. Absolutely. He's never gone anywhere, and he's never really got to be the guy on top for very long, yep. but he is the Stinger, the penultimate baby face. The backbone of the company. Absolutely. The icon. They then speculate on who WCW would add to their team to replace the Stinger. And I gotta say, the uh, announced team are... They were making a push for Mongo. Fully suited up. They literally were, if you you paid attention. Yeah. I was just like... No, God, no. Please, God, no. The last thing we need is Mongo in a cage. Especially in, like, a War Games match where it... It's not really all that planned out, and people actually have to yeah. think on their feet. He might actually be pretty good because he doesn't have to do any moves. He That's just right. has to. He can just come in and hit. take the pin. <laughs> Lord willing. But we go to our first match: Diamond Dallas Page GP. versus Chavo Guerrero Jr. Ooh, in a grudge Chavo. match. DDP's been working through the Guerrero family. Damn right. So the story behind this match was that DDP had been defeated by Eddie Guerrero on the last Clash of the Champions for his Battle Bowl ring. Oh, snap. He needed that ring. Page would retaliate with multiple diamond cutters. Trouble would come to his uncle's defense while Eddie was in Japan. So that's the reason why it's not Eddie versus Diamond Dallas Page. I mean, how good would that be? Be pretty good. I bet we see it at some point. Yep, yep. But this match gets going with Guerrero ducking a clothesline as the bell rings before turning to dropkick DDP several times to knock him out to the floor. Chavo would then slingshot Somersault Senton out onto Page, followed by whipping him into a guardrail. Guerrero then sends DDP into the ring steps, followed by taking the belt of someone to just whip Page as well before rolling him back into the ring. Chavo would then nail a slingshot splash back in before hitting a crossbody for a two count, followed by settling into some holds to work the arm. You guys see the the cosplay guys in the crowd? There's like a guy in a Ric Flair robe, and I couldn't figure out who the other guy was dressed as. I was thinking maybe Benoit, but I don't know. Definitely wasn't Art. I did not notice. It's fun to see some... We've had our Undertaker cosplay, and I think some Goldust cosplay, but I haven't seen any strong Ric Flair. Of course, the kids like, love the Stinger, so they got out of face painted. Guerrero would hit another drop kick that puts DDP into the ropes, but he avoids another, sending Chavo tumbling out to the floor. Page takes control with chokes before rolling Guerrero back in and heading up top for a flying clothesline. And the crowd cheers! Are heels face now, or is Chavo Guerrero just not featured enough, or is DDP just starting to get over? Too good, too good. 
He's just got these first. He's the first match king now. Pillman was, and then Johnny and then Johnny Bad. Bad, and now it's DDP. Yeah, and you know, he's he's teaching everybody how to self high five already. So yeah. I mean, that's, he's, that's he's, something big. He's only getting better. DDP begins to wear down Chavo with strikes, holds, and chokes until Guerrero counters a suplex attempt into a small package for a two count. Page continues the punishment when Chavo would avoid a punt kick and nail a knee lift, allowing him to fire up with a springboard crossbody and a missile drop kick for a near fall. Guerrero would head up top again for a hurricanrana that gets a two count, but then charges into an elbow from DDP, allowing him to make a cover with leverage for a near fall. That dang DDP. Page would toss Chavo over the ropes and into the other ring with both DDP and the ref following over, where Guerrero gets taken down with a side slam for a two count. Page then goes for a tilt-a-world slam, only for Chavo to counter into a head scissors and a schoolboy for a near fall. So you can pin him in either ring? Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Okay, just asking. Guerrero has his whip reversed with DDP catching him for a spinning gut wrench powerbomb. Crazy powerbomb. For a two count. And Page calls for the finish only for Chavo to attempt to counter it into a backslide. But DDP powers out to nail the diamond cutter for the pin and, and the win. win. Chavo don't got the juice. No. Not yet, at least. Yeah, it's like it's it's a, it's fine, but it's not as good as the match DDP just recently had on Nitro. And I forgot how 17 years old Chavo looked. When he first started in WCW. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Just a baby. Obviously, is he really that young? No. No. Okay. He's older than that. Nah, but he's yeah. probably early 20s. Yeah, yeah. It's like, not not bad for a young guy, but he just doesn't have the doesn't have the flavor. Yeah. Or the confidence. I mean, there's definitely a lack of confidence there. We go to the CompuServe room, where Harlem Heat, Colonel Parker, and Sister Sherry are. And Tony says fans can chat with them right now as they pester some worker to type everything that they say. We're then sent to a video of Mean Gene giving a special report on the NWO. He recaps the entire story from the beginning to tonight, showing highlights of the debut, the various attacks on wrestlers, and the Hogan turn. Okerlund also points out Nick Patrick's shady officiating and includes footage from Hogwild. Gene speculates about more members joining as we see the giant and Sting's turns. Mean Gene continues by saying that WCW's reeling and that it is a full-scale assault from all sides, as War Games is a match for survival. It's a nice package, and it made me outsiders showing up, slamming Bischoff through, up to the like Hogan turn is so is done so incredibly well that like the second half of that feels like a like wet blanket where it's like ah the giant and it's like ah it's because it, it started so strong Here, well here's the thing about the nwa yeah. they basically just start chasing the moment mm-hmm. just over and over and over and over again instead of actually telling a good story yeah because they told that original story really well oh, yeah the original build-up was great and then it's like here's your reveal it's hogan Woo. that reveals great and then the next well yeah and then the next time they really do anything with them it's 
Here's Booty Man. Nope. Getting slapped around. Just kidding. Yeah. And then it's, oh, the giant ran down to help. Oh, he turned as well. Yeah, after he took the belt off of him. Mm-hmm. Who's next? How are you going to beat me for the belt and then I join you? Like if you can't beat him, join him. It's like, that's not how least, wrestling should be. At least be. wait six months, right? How can you yeah. be a, a heel who just turns face and then all of a sudden you're betraying WCW by joining the NWO when you were already are the you, guy that... You're already a heel, yeah. Yeah. You hated everything already. We go to our second match. Scott Norton versus Ice Train with Teddy Long in a submission match. Teddy's looking chubby. Mm-hmm. So, after their match at Hogwild, Scott would defeat Ice again by ref stoppage. But it wasn't enough for Norton. So he attacked Ice Train and wanted to humiliate him by beating him by submission. Scott would take on Teddy Long's other charge, Sergeant Craig Pittman, only for Ice to save him from injury by throwing in the towel. Mm. That'll be helpful here in a little bit. So once everyone's in the ring, Norton tells Teddy to keep his hands on his towel because he wants to hear Ice Train submit with his own mouth. Don't go at the towel, fly man. And the two men then start trading arm holds and takedowns before exchanging power slams, suplexes, and strikes. Back and forth action until Scott locks on a cross arm breaker, which Tony mentions is basically a code red, which is Pittman's finisher. And Long jumps on the apron to throw the towel in, but he decides against it. Would have been a quick one. Way to have faith in your guy there, Teddy. I know. (laughs) And like, I... Talked about it. I think their match at Hogwild was good in the bad in a in a in the wrong place. Yeah. And there's, I like these guys. Mm-hmm. Norton keeps up the attack with a neck breaker, but a reversed whip allows Ice to body slam and lock on a Japanese armbar. An ice stream continues with a clothesline and a senton before going for a splash, only for Scott to get his knees up. Norton then nails a spine buster and turns Ice over into a Boston Crab before switching to an armbar. And again, Teddy jumps on the apron to distract Scott, forcing him to release the hold. But once he gets back to to Ice Train, he locks on a stranglehold Gamma, which is one of Kazuki Sasaki's moves. Mm. Long again distracts Norton. So Scott drags Teddy into the ring and lifts him up with a double choke lift. And Ice Train is able to take advantage, attacking Scott from behind, locking on a full Nelson, taking Norton down to the mat, forcing him to tap out for the submission and the win. Definitely not how I saw that match going. No. No, I mean, it's not bad, but I didn't want to see a submission match from these two guys. Just because they're big beefy boys, but I get it because there's been like a trilogy. It's like a lower mid card trilogy thing. Yeah. It was nice to see a heel win with submission. Uh, Ice Train would be the face. Yep. With a manager? In this one, yeah. Okay, I just assumed he was the <laughs> heel because he had a manager. We then go to our third match Juventud Guerrera versus Conan. With Jimmy Hart for the Mexican Heavyweight Championship. And you know what that means. Mike Tanay joins us on the commentary. Damn right. That's right. And the last time we saw Hoovy 
was that Big Ass Extreme Bash, episode 193. On his way up. And uh, Grail kind of makes a fool of himself a little bit as he trips on his way to the ring. While Conan has a new look as he's changed it up since joining the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, he's got a he L.A. Like Cholo Conan. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looks like Conan. He, he's now K-Dog, which yeah. is what he refers to himself as in real life, or at least did it this time. And so the Mexican heavyweight championship's been mentioned before, but I don't think they've ever said that it was on the line, and they said it was here. So I actually looked this up, and because no belts brought out to the ring, so like yeah, that's a good point. And so, they have the Chiron that says, but it says it's for the belt, but who knows if it actually was or not. But Conan had actually won the Triple A Americas Championship in February of '96. But the championship would be vacated by the end of September as Conan would go exclusive with WCW. But he never returned the title to AAA. So the next champion wouldn't actually be crowned until 2004, who basically went into retirement literally right after he won the belt. Damn. And the belt was again dropped by AAA. So the belt only has two champions... And literally never got defended at all. <laughs> so they, like, Conan won it, hijacked it. Basically hijacked it, took it to WCW with him, never gave it back. And then they eight years later, they're like, okay, Conan Conan was them back in AAA at that oh, point. Oh, I wonder if it was the same belt. That's and he cool. gave the belt back at that point, had a tournament, someone won it, and then that guy retired. And they didn't... And then they were just like... Fuck it. This belt's cursed. Yeah. And they just dropped it. I yeah. can't believe they brought it back. I mean... No one would have remembered that, but, I mean, I guess, you know, Conan can cut a promo about it. So, the match gets going with Hoovy using his speed early on to escape, but Conan catches him for a released German suplex, followed by tossing him over the top rope to the floor, while Jimmy distracted the ref. Guerrero regroups and bounces off the ropes of both rings to nail a triple jump somersault senton for a two count. Pretty sick. And Tony tells us at this point that this was supposed to be Psychosis's opportunity at the belt, but he got injured. So Hoovy's taking full advantage with several kicks to send Conan out to the floor, followed by a tope suicida through the ropes. Conan looks to whip Guerrero into a guardrail, only for Hoovy to leap up and off the top but Conan catches him and delivers a powerbomb down to the concrete. Ah, pretty sick shit. People like it. Back in the ring, Conan keeps up the attack with a rolling clothesline and a basement drop kick for a near fall, and he begins to wear down Guerrero with various holds. It's nice to see that Conan's, like, over. I mean, they've shown him on TV. He's definitely a badass, and now he's, like, now he's cool. Now he looks cool. The coolest member of the dungeon. Yeah, he's like he's like uh, he's like fucking Mexican Stone Cold Steve Austin is his like vibe. Granted, we haven't quite got the true Stone Cold yet, but that's kind of his vibe. He's it's cool. Don't fuck with me. Making it back to their feet, Conan trips up Hoobie with which sends him sliding into the other ring, with Conan following after, only for Guerrero to springboard head scissor Conan back into the original ring. Spinning heel kick sends Conan out to the floor, followed by Hoovy's springboard plancha, before they roll back in for a Guerrera springboard drop kick to the back of the head. Oof. If you haven't noticed. 
Hubie likes to bounce around. Yeah, bit. yeah. Is that the drop kick where he just like basically it's like a forty five degree angle drop kick off the top down yeah. to the floor? It's like Jesus, man. Hoovy then charges in for only for Conan to back body drop Guerrero over onto the other ring's ropes. Conan then brings Hoovy back to the original ring with a power bomb over the ropes and goes back to the holds before tossing Guerrero out to the apron. And Hoovy decides to leap back in with a springboard moonsault that just kind of grazes Conan. Yeah. So he retaliates with a power bomb, a basement drop kick, and a pair of German suplexes that sends Guerrero back out to the floor. You know what would be nice? Conan versus Taz in this era? That would be fun. <laughs> Hoovy returns with a springboard drop kick and a leg drop for a two count before taking Conan out to the apron where he nails several chops, followed by attempting a head scissors back into the ring, only for it to be blocked, so Guerrero counters it into an apron power bomb attempt, but Conan rabbit punches to escape. Conan then leaps off the apron with a drop kick before they return to the ring where he climbs to the top turnbuckle, but Hoovy meets him there to cause Conan to crotch himself. And Guerrero climbs up, but just backflips off the ropes, allowing Conan to capitalize with a missile dropkick for a near fall. I love that. No, no turn to your side, just like straight, like pump, land on your back, dropkick. They're so good. These people, because Alex Wright did the same thing. This little backflip off of someone. Now Guerrero backflips off the ropes, like getting fancy. You're getting fancy, and you're just getting taken down. Yeah, I mean, hey, at least they didn't do a Spider-Man pose like wrestlers do now. Looking at you, Ricochet and Will. Conan goes for a monkey flip, but Hoovy turns it into several pin attempts, all for two counts. The two fight over waist locks when Conan goes for a vertical suplex, only for Guerrero to flip out of onto the apron, followed by leaping back in with a springboard spinning heel kick for a near fall. Hoovy then goes for a wheelbarrow victory roll, but Conan uses his power to block and deliver a vicious release German suplex Oof. before going out to the apron, only for Guerrero to respond with a dropkick. Hoovy then hangs Conan on the ropes so that he could springboard off of them with a somersault leg drop, but no cover as Conan is in the ropes. Guerrero then heads up top for a 450 splash that gets a two count. Heads up top again for a tornado splash for a near fall. Hoovy's whip is then reversed, so he attempts to leap up and over. But Conan catches him for an Alabama slam for a two count. Conan follows up with a muscle buster for a near fall before setting Guerrero on the top to deliver the power drop for the pin and the win. Got a little sloppy there at points, but for the most part, yeah. Fun match. It was good. I mean, I like Conan's new look. People are into Conan. He won the match, but with no heel shit, even though he's in Dungeon of Doom. Like, it was a honest contest, even though he's out there looking like a gangster, and he joined the Dungeon of Doom. So, it's, yeah, I appreciated that. You got uh, Jimmy Hart attempting to speak Spanish at the end there with his Arriba. And he- I, I think he was oh, yeah, trying to say... Arriba La Raza. But he said La Chaca or something uh, yeah. like that. La well, Raza. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's, that's it's Conan's... Yeah. That becomes Conan's thing that he says all the time. Yeah. They just cracked me up hearing Jimmy say it. 
And then it also, as we're talking about this, it registers in my brain that the Dungeon of Doom now has both Conan and the Barbarian. Conan. The Barbarian. <laughs> what a tag team. Right? Missed opportunity. Yeah. Have you guys noticed on the show, there is an old lady in the front row who is probably been a wrestling fan for years, but she's way into everything. And, uh, yeah. If you if she's one from an earlier show that we've seen where she's around the ring drinking beers with her old lady friends. She could be, but yeah, she's just like <laughs> sitting in the front row and she's into everything. Like she loves this shit. That's and awesome. it's it's fun to see. I like I like when you see the older fans that are still in it cuz wrestling really survived on that for a long time. Yep. On grandmas. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, as into their soap operas as they get, you have to expect them to get just as into the drama and wrestling. Yeah, like yeah, all women like soap operas. People want to walk down the street. Southern women slap some villain from a soap opera across the face. You know they're going to do the same thing when they go and watch. I mean, Conan and what wrestling was was soap opera for guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but at one point it was for everybody. You watch some of those old shows. It's not. It's not fifty-fifty, but it's not far off. We go to our fourth match, Lionheart, Chris Jericho, versus the Crippler, Chris Benoit. I mean, come on, guys. For Chris Jericho's first WCW pay-per-view against Chris Benoit, we'd all agree. Outside of Dean Malenko, there's no better opponent for him. I mean, our last right now last WCW show, we were spoiled with Jericho and Malenko, and now we've got Jericho and Benoit, so let's do this. Yeah, and there's lots of booze for Jericho right off the top. So the two men get into each other's faces, trading slaps, when the Crippler would begin to throw Jericho around, followed by a back body drop and a back suplex for a two count. Benoit keeps up the attack with an Alabama slam and a Boston Crab. Hell yeah. Goes for a powerbomb, only for Lionheart to roll through for a sunset flip that gets a near fall, followed by a spinning heel kick for a two count. Dragon screw leg whip and a botched body scissors with a bridge by Jericho for a near fall. Followed by a drop kick to the back of the head to send the crippler rolling out to the apron. I popped for the dragon screw. <laughs> Lionheart then goes for a springboard drop kick to send Benoit down to the floor. Following out with a springboard back elbow. Back in the ring, Jericho comes off the top with a missile drop kick for a two count. Before nailing a power bomb and a tiger suplex. For a near fall. And the two trade chops and forearms. When Lionheart hits a spinning heel kick and goes to suplex the Crippler. Only for Benoit to float over to the apron and back body drop Jericho down to the floor. I mean, you love to see it. The crowd loves to see it too. I will say I love that they do their the one-two exchange. But they're not taking turns. It looks like they're fighting. It's not like, yeah, I hit you, you hit me. Like They do it with uh, an energy and furiosity that I would like to see come back. The Crippler runs Lionheart into the ring post. Posted. Before rolling him back in, where Benoit delivers a knee lift and a suplex to send Jericho gut first onto the ropes for a two count. Back to trading chops momentarily until the Crippler rakes the eyes to regain control. And he applies an ab stretch. Only for Lionheart to arm drag out to escape. Benoit comes back with a body slam and he heads up top for a diving headbutt, making the cover for a near fall. The Crippler tosses Jericho out to the floor and he follows out to running back first into the apron 
before returning to the ring where Benoit telegraphs a back body drop. Don't do it. Allowing Lionheart to pull him into a backslide pin for a two count. The Crippler begins to stretch Jericho with holds, nailing chops, but a reversed whip sends Benoit to the corner, only for Lionheart to charge into a big boot. The Crippler goes for another crab, but Jericho rolls through into a pin for a near fall. And the two fight over a waist lock again, with Lionheart hitting a bridging suplex for a two count, before they trade strikes, where Benoit picks up Jericho for a tombstone, only for Lionheart to reverse. Jericho then goes for a lion salt, but the Crippler moves, only for Jericho to land on his feet and nail a clothesline for a near fall. And Lionheart's whip is reversed, so Jericho leaps up to the top turnbuckle, only for Benoit to trip him up, forcing Lionheart to crotch himself, allowing the Crippler to climb up to deliver a back superplex for the pin and, and the win. win. I mean, great shit. Best of the Super Junior vibes with a little bit less a combination of less mat work and less constantly climbing the top Mm -hmm. but it's still like you know it's got that that kind of energy but with a bit more of an american wrestling style these guys are too big to be doing the like crazy jumps off the top in uh that they do in new japan in America. I mean, they are, but they still will. They still will. They still can. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know. I mean, they're big know. compared to Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrero, but... Shit, we're all big compared to Rey Mysterio. They're smaller than yeah. the big boys of WCW, so That's they're going to be included in that group anyway. Yeah, yeah, but they're, you know, they're, they they got more... They're, they're meteor boys. Heavy lightweights. Yeah, so we go to our fifth match, Super Calo versus Rey Mysterio Jr. for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. I love how they have Mike Tenay just like, all right, this is the Mike Tenay section of the show. So everybody should probably watch because uh, th- that means that there's probably going to be some good wrestling. Yeah. It's just weird that they had him join for one match, leave, and then come back. I'm like, yeah. why, why not just yeah. do those two matches back to back? Mike, we don't know anything about the people wrestling. Can you please sit in and tell us? Yeah. But, I mean, he should have been on the last match. I mean, he could have been. Yeah. Definitely. So the two shake hands before locking up, where Ray arm drags Kahlo out of the ring momentarily. But when he returns, Super Kahlo works the arm of Mysterio and a power slam as someone from the crowd yells, boring. Yeah. I mean... Like, we're two seconds into this match and you're yelling, boring. I think the issue is that who is Super Kahlo... I mean, he hasn't had a this is much pay- of a build this yet. His pay-per-view yes. debut, he's been on TV a little okay. bit. Okay, has he? Okay, but yeah, I mean, I was just like, I don't never even heard of this son of a no. bitch. But Mike Tanay told me he's only been wrestling for four years. So he gets a bit of a pass considering he's kind of got a hoovy thing going on. Callow hits a second rope elbow drop for a two count before going back to the arm work until Ray fires back with arm drags and her Karamas that sends Super Callow out to the floor. Calo got his name from a popular rap group in Mexico. Maybe I should check it out. Back in the ring, Calo with a drop kick and a slingshot powerbomb for a near fall. Top rope, shoulder block, and a clothesline that sends Ray out to the floor. Love a slingshot powerbomb. 
Supercalo follows out with a top rope missile drop kick and a power slam on the floor before rolling back in to fly back out with a somersault plancha onto Mysterio. And yeah, no one gives a shit about Calo, but the crowd's stomping for Ray once Calo starts working him over. They roll back in to where Calo nails a tilt-a-whirl side slam for a two count, before tossing Ray to the other ring, sitting him on the top turnbuckle for a reverse Rana for a near fall. Super Calo goes back to working the arm as they make their way back to the original ring, with Dusty saying he's rag-tagging Mysterio's arm followed by a drop kick and a clothesline. Kylo continues with a surfboard until Ray rolls out to regroup once he escapes. But once he returns, Mysterio begins to rally with a drop kick and a crossbody that gets Super Kylo hung up on the ropes. So Ray has to pull him over to land on the floor. Yeah, even the ref helps a little bit. It's a little bit of a botch. Well, the ref like, looks like he's pulling him back into the ring. I think he's trying to cover so Ray can pull him and... Flip him out. I don't know. I couldn't quite figure it out. But I think the ref is trying to help cover it. Mysterio then nails a slingshot somersault senton out onto Kahlo before rolling him back in. Ray then goes for a slingshot crossbody, only for Super Kahlo to drop kick him in midair for a two count. Love to see it. Followed by returning to the arm work. And Mysterio rolls away to the other ring, but Kahlo follows over with a slingshot drop kick and yanking on the arm over the ropes, causing Ray to roll out. And Super Calo rams Mysterio into the guardrail before rolling him back in, where Ray continues to roll away, but Calo hits another slingshot dropkick out to the apron. And Mysterio begins to fight back with a springboard hurricanrana out to the floor, rolls back in to come sliding out with a baseball slide to knock Super Calo back down. That springboard, oof. Followed by another springboard somersault senton. Callow's rolled in with Ray flying in with a springboard sunset flip for a two count. He hits a springboard corkscrew moonsault for a near fall before going for a victory roll. Only for Super Callow to counter it into an electric chair drop for a two count of his own. Callow then goes for a pop-up powerbomb, but Mysterio reverses it into a hurricanrana for a near fall, and a spinning heel kick. Ray then charges in, only to be back body dropped out to the apron between the rings. Super Calo then tries for a drop kick, but Mysterio avoids, causing Calo to bounce off the ropes down to the mat. Lands right on his head. Ray then springboard backflips into the other ring, before springboarding both rings worth of ropes to deliver another Huracarana for the pin... And the win. Post-match, Ray turns to the camera to send a message to Dean Malenko, daring him to come and take his title. Yeah, for, I mean, I'd like to see that. This match probably wasn't very long, but it felt long. Yeah, I'd say it felt way long. But I think it's because, I mean, Super Calo is young, and he doesn't work with the speed and... That like he's not as clean and quick as Ray is, so just kind of felt like he was wrestling underwater, and Ray was moving around him, even though he was still doing impressive, very physical stuff. But you know, there's no reason to think that Super Calvin can't be great. I think he could definitely get better. Absolutely. So we're headed to our sixth match: the Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Knobs versus Harlem Heat of Booker T and Stevie Ray. 
with Colonel Parker and Sister Sherry for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. Hmm. And as Tony says, and now time for something completely different. Totally. <laughs> the huge pyro really scares Dusty. And it was some <laughs> huge pyro. It's like they pressed the, the pyro button twice or something, so it like pushed out some gas and then like started to light and they pushed it again and then it lit all the gas. It was, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were lucky that, uh, you know, yeah, it was almost a Michael Jackson Pepsi commercial. So Sags and Stevie trade strikes until Jerry lands a clothesline and makes a cover, only for Sherry to roll in to pull him off. And Sags looks to stalk after her, but Harlem Heat gets between them, with the two teams arguing. Once back in the ring, the Nasties go back to clubber and Stevie Ray, until a cheap shop to knobs allows Booker to tag him. The Nasty Boys double-team Booker with a drop-toe-hole-knee-drop combo before Jerry nails a neckbreaker for a two-count. I love that he says clubber. He clubbered him. <laughs> Brian with another clothesline to Booker T, followed by a forearm to Stevie to knock him off the apron. And Nobbs calls for Pity City. Pit stop! But Sherry jumps on the apron again to distract, allowing Stevie Ray to jump in the ring to attack from behind. Sherry looking straight up like she just came from a Dykes on Bikes festival. <laughs> and she's wearing her vest and chaps that oh, Colonel gave her I know, two but weeks ago. She she added the the biker hair to go with it. She definitely has a biker mullet. <laughs> Sags gives Chase out on the floor, which occupies the ref, allowing Harlem Heat to double-team Brian. And Stevie wears down knobs with knee drops and headlocks, only for him to escape. But Brian runs right into a bicycle kick from Stevie Ray. Booker T comes in to continue the punishment with more headlocks, followed by a leaping forearm and tossing knobs out to the floor. And Sherry gets in on the action, which just makes Brian mad and stalks after her, allowing Booker to leap off the apron with a double axe handle. Booker T then runs knobs into a guardrail, while Jerry has taken up the chase of Sherry through the second ring before they head back into the original one only for her to escape back out to the floor. This is uh, some wild, very classic tag shit here. I'm loving this. Like, Sherry's doing her damn job. Uh, everybody's everybody's honed in on what they're supposed to be doing. Harlem Heat continues to work over Brian with Stevie Ray leg drops, Booker single sledge, and goes for a leg lariat. Only for Knobs the Duck, sending Booker T tumbling out to the floor and Brian then makes the crawl to his corner for the hot tag Sags cleans house with knees face plant turnbuckle smashes and clotheslines before tossing Stevie out of the ring Jerry then power slams Booker T but Sherry jumps on the apron once more so Sags brings her into the ring by her hair and Jerry avoids Booker coming from behind rolling him up for a two count before nailing a pile driver for a near fall, as Stevie Ray leaps in to break up the pin. Nobbs jumps in to pound on Stevie, knocking him out to the floor, so the ref has to escort Brian back to his corner, while Sags heads up top, only for Parker to trip him up with his cane, sending Jerry crashing down to the mat. Now Sags rolls out and stalks after the colonel, but Stevie Ray comes out of nowhere with the clothesline. He rolls Jerry back in, where Booker keeps up the attack with a scissor kick that sends Sags back out to the floor. 
and the managers get a few more licks in before rolling Jerry into the ring, where Stevie hits a back elbow for a two count. Harlem Heat then goes for a double clothesline, only for Sags to duck and give them a double faceplant. Jerry then makes the crawl to his corner for the hot, hot tag. tag. This time it's a real one. That last one was barely one. Knobs with clotheslines to everybody, a back body drop to Booker T, back elbow to Stevie, followed by a splash onto Booker for a near fall. And everyone just starts brawling at this point as Brian hits a corner splash to Booker T, followed by the Nasties with a double shoulder block to Stevie Ray that sends him out to the floor. The Nasty Boys then nail a pump handle slam top rope splash combo for the pin. And no, Parker has the ref distracted, allowing Sherry to break the cane over Nobbs's head, with Booker rolling on top for the pin and, and the win. What a nice tag team match with a fun finish, and the fans were into it. My only true complaint is that that first hot tag was like Booker tags in like right before the nasty's hot mm-hmm. tag and it just doesn't feel like a true hot tag but yeah i love i love this this is what i was hoping for uh, out of these guys and not a hot dog match and see what i'm hoping for is that this is the last nasty harlem heat match we have for a while because i feel like that's all we've seen harlem heat i, mean, I face, feel like really. there's going to be some outsiders in the tag team picture here and soon. <coughs> i can only yeah. hope so you really I don't know. <laughs> I, I like, I mean, Heat's only gotten better, and here they got to have a really nice, classy shenanigan version of a tag team match. I liked it a lot. Tony then sends us to a commercial for Fall Brawl merchandise. Ooh. The Nature Boy's shilling for it, telling us to style and profile in this gear. You need a Fall Brawl? Uh, were, these, were these on denim as well? We then go to the locker room with Mike Tanay, who's joined by Macho Man Randy Savage. And the professor calls it ironic that the most fined and suspended man in WCW is now their savior. When Macho yells, stop the music, before agreeing about the irony. Savage calls himself the evil necessity of WCW. But he's going to step up to the plate and hit a grand slam against the giant. Macho has also been thinking, 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 and threatens to rip the black heart of Hogan out of his chest at Halloween Havoc. Today warns Savage not to overlook the giant, so Macho vows to cut him in half so that he will only be 44 feet tall, and he will do it right now. Oh, yeah! 44 feet tall, so he's 88 feet tall. Love it. So we go to our seventh match. Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Giant in a grudge match. Macho comes down in a WCW shirt and hands out Slim Jims to the fans. Slim Jim fever, boys. While the producers have forgotten that the Giant has joined NWO because they play his Dungeon of Doom music first (laughs) until he's about halfway down the... Down yeah. the aisleway, and then they finally turn the NWO music on. Yeah, that's a good point. I remember there being something jarring there, but... And the Oops. giant rushes the ring, but Macho nails him to prevent him from climbing in. 
only for the big man to drag Savage out to the floor for them to brawl. Macho goes for a body slam, but the giant weighs too much, allowing the big man to press slam Savage back into the ring before hitting him with strikes, chokes, and clotheslines. Man, press slamming Macho back into the ring is pretty impressive from the floor. The giant continues with a stalling backbreaker and bending him over his knee while the entire crowd is distracted by something with even the brain commenting on it. What could it be? Everyone thought it was maybe the NWO showing up, yeah. but yeah. we never know. Yeah, it could yeah. have just been a production guy setting up the next pyro. It's the, Davey Boy rushing the stage. Uh, <laughs> the giant headbutts the gut before applying a Boston Crab, only for Macho to reach the ropes to break the hold. The giant then locks on a bear hug, which Savage escapes with an eye rake and heads up top, only to be caught to be slammed down to the mat, followed by attempting a knee drop, but Macho moves in time. I will say that if you're going to do a bear hug, you should probably be able to lift the guy. So as far as bear hugs go, that's not the worst. It's not the worst bear hug we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, big guy squeezing the life out of little guy. It makes yep. more sense. Yep. Savage goes to work on the hurt knee and heads up top for a flying face plant for a two count before body slamming the giant and delivering the savage elbow drop. So sick. Nice pop. Hollywood Hogan then makes his way down to the ring to distract Macho, luring him down the aisle where the outsiders attack, all while the ref is dealing with the giant, so he never notices. And who was this ref? Hmm. Could Could it be? be... The NWO wow, nicely done there. <laughs> the NWO uses a chair across the back of Savage before rolling him back into the ring, allowing the Giant to make the cover for the pin yeah, and the win. win. You know what could have happened was maybe Hogan missed his cue and stuck his head stuck his head out. And somebody saw it. Hogan wouldn't make that kind of mistake. No, he wouldn't. He's, he's a professional. Uh, yeah, he's Hollywood now. He's professional when it works for him, brother. Tony then sends us to a commercial for Halloween Havoc, where we see Macho Man standing in front of Halloween props, asking if we're afraid of things that go bump in the night and fly through the air. A narrator then does his best Vincent Price impression, saying the Halloween season draws near as Slim Jim snaps into Halloween Havoc. This advertisement has been brought to you by Slim Jim. We come back to the arena, and Pyro goes off as the cage lowers, before heading to the back where Tanay is with Flair, Anderson, and Luger. Mike asks the nature boy who is replacing Sting, with him responding that they're in the house the horseman built, and Sting or no Sting, we will win. Nate hears an ambulance coming for the NWO. Because we're going to kick their ass. He says, you hear that, Gene? But it's Mike today. I thought that was very funny. You're going to have so much sting, you're going to shit yourself. <laughs> Double A says they have lost a friend, a partner, an icon. But they will have to do it by themselves without the stinger. Sting then enters the room with everyone looking like they're ready to fight. But Lex just wants an explanation. And the stinger says it wasn't him. Only for Luger to say he looked him in the eyes and knows that it was him. And I love that Stink like walks into the camera, but you can only see his back. So you like see his back 
as he's like talking to them, which is nice, but it also will add to what might happen here shortly. Sting responds with, if you don't believe it, so be it. I'll see you in a while. And leaves. Flair ends it by saying Lex is a lean bean wrestling machine and it's time to walk the aisle. As we head to our eighth match, the NWO of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hollywood Hogan, and a mystery partner with Ted DiBiase versus WCW of the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, and a mystery partner in a war games match. Who could it be now? I do love that there's no heel um, interview for the NWO because they like aren't participating with WCW. They're like the well, inter- they're not WCW. They're in. I know. Yeah, they're the interlopers. But I just think it's nice that they didn't do it because they, they could have done it. They have to pay for that time. Yeah, I'm just saying uh, they could have. They could have. We've seen them make so many mistakes in this company that uh, they didn't make that one. So Michael Buffer makes the announcements. So let's get ready to Spider-Man meme. Point at each other. Hall and the Enforcer started off by ramming each other into the cage, trading strikes until Arn works the leg, only for Scott to escape away to the other ring. Hall takes over with chokes before Anderson goes low several times to regain control, followed by locking on a sleeper to wear down Scott. But Hall escapes with a back suplex. Now one minute remains and Tony tells us the coin toss will take place backstage where the rest of the teams are. And I assume that the heels will win it! Hooray! Double A reverses a whip and nails a spine buster! Fucking love Art Anderson. Yep. He locks on a half crab when Nash would come out, allowing the outsider to double team the enforcer with big boots and throwing him into the cage before Kevin hits a snake eyes. Throwback. Lex then comes running out early. I mean, only like 10 seconds, but still early. Yeah. Nailing a double clothesline, throwing both outsiders into the cage before more running clotheslines. Luger then rams Scott into the cage some more until Kevin makes the save. But Arn jumps back in for everyone to brawl, including dropping Nash with a DDT. Hogan then makes his way to the ring, with Team WCW going right after him, only for the Outsiders to recover to slow the momentum. We want flair. We want flair. Hollywood drags Anderson to a different ring for a body slam, an elbow drop, and chokes while the Outsiders double-team Lex in the other rink. And Hogan goes to ram Double A's head into the cage, but it's blocked and reversed before everyone makes their way over to the ring as the crowd begins to chant for Nature Boy. And the odds are evened as Nature makes his way into the ring, taunting Hollywood until he joins them to fight in the other ring. I love, yeah, I love that he comes into the ring that's empty and struts before he even starts fucking laying in. All right. He's he's doing it the smart way. He's not going to jump right into the lion's den. No. He's going to make them come to him. Flair immediately brings out some brass knuckles to use, followed by low blows to both outsiders and applying the figure four to Hogan, while the rest of Team WCW keeps the NWO at bay. He's got the figure four on him, but who will the fourth man be? The final member arrives, 
and it's Sting. Oh my god. While Kevin delivers a power bomb to Lex. Arn and Luger go after the Stinger, but he responds with a faceplant of Lex before the rest of the NWO joins in for everyone to brawl. The Nature Boy's tossed in the cage and he's leg dropped by Hogan. Outsiders edged Anderson by Hall before Sting hits several Stinger splashes on everyone. You, you get a Stinger, a Stinger splash for you. <laughs> stinger splash for you. It's now time for Team WCW's fourth member. And he comes out. And it's Sting! Couldn't believe it. Of course I could believe it, but I couldn't <laughs> believe it. The real Stinger confronts the fake Sting with Nick Patrick having an amazing expression on his face <laughs> in the background before just attacking all of the NWO, mm-hmm. nailing them with chops, Stinger splashes, and face busters. The real Sting then walks out of the ring, yelling at Luger, Is that good enough for you? Is that proof enough? Flips off his teammates and walks out of the cage. Oh my god. Wonderful shit. You don't trust me? Fuck you. The NWO uses the distraction to recover and pounces on Lex. As Hollywood nails him with a big boot and a leg drop. While the fake Sting applies the Scorpion Deathlock. With Hogan adding a front face lock to the mix. For the submission. And and the the win. So, the fake Sting was Jeff Farmer, who we last saw as Cobra at Fall Brawl 95. Oh, he was... Episode 165. He was the white G.I. Joe, and Craig Pittman was the black G.I. Joe. Yes. Correct. Now, post-match, the NWO will continue to attack everyone while the cage raises, with Luger crawling down the aisle, calling for Sting. Sting! You're my friend! They keep up the attack on Lex when the horsemen would recover enough to continue the fight. And they're all fighting at the entranceway when Macho Man comes running out, dragging Hollywood back to the ring. So everyone can see. Hogan backs his way off, only for the giant to have made his way out as well to give the NWO some reinforcements. Everybody, minus the fake sting, he just kind of disappears at this yeah, point. Yeah, the, the four NWO members... Start beating down Savage, with the giant delivering a choke slam, which brings Miss Elizabeth running out to protect Macho. I feel like we've seen this before. <laughs> She's begging Hollywood to stop, no. but he just takes the spray paint and writes NWO on her back. You can't do that to Liz. Before no. taking a mic to say that Savage and Liz once pledged until death do us part, and tonight he will give them their wish, followed by spitting on Miss Elizabeth. Ugh. Disgusting. Now fans are throwing trash and chanting Hogan sucks. I love that. With him responding by blowing a kiss. I mean, he's doing it good. The giant then spray paints NWO on Macho's back before joking that he's the greatest artist in the world. Followed by another choke slam. And the commentators are begging anyone to come out and help Savage and Liz. But the NWO storm the announce table, bringing a sign that says, This is NWO country. They continue by calling Dusty a daydream believer, saying their message is brought to us by the Ric Flair Retirement Fund. Before DiBiase chimes in, WCW must honor their demands. Followed by everyone posing for the camera as officials help Macho and Miss Elizabeth to the back 
as we go to credits. Hmm. I do love there's this part where uh, the giant thanks Hogan for his movie contract. It's like, oh, he joined so he could be in movies, as if Hogan ever made any movies that made money. Yes. Uh, you know, the only movie he ever was in that made money was Rocky Three, and Rocky Three is a huge reason why he ever got to be Hulk Hogan in the first place. So, yeah, I just thought that was very cute and silly. I, I guess you got to try to justify the Giants. What somehow. movie was Giant in? Ready to Rumble. <laughs> So I got a few fun notes here. Absolutely. The commentators had talked about the NWO's demands during the show, with the main one being their own show, which might be Thunder, but the NWO also gets their own pay-per-view early 97 in Sold Out. out. So that might actually be what it is, because Thunder's not until 98. So Yeah, and Thunder is pretty sure it doesn't really become the NWO show. Well, originally when they did Thunder, it was so WCW had one show and the NWO would have one oh, show. Oh, really? That was the original. That's not how it ended up being. No. And Thunder just became the B show. Basically. Mm-hmm. Also, Sting would appear on Nitro the next night. And we're not covering that episode, but I thought it was important to at least talk about his segment. But he would take the mic and with his back to the hard camera... He would say these words. I want a chance to explain something that happened last Monday night at Nitro. Last Monday night, I was on an airplane flying from L.A. to Atlanta. And when I got to Atlanta, I turned on the TV to Nitro. And I thought I was watching a rerun. It was a very convincing film. Often imitated, but never duplicated though. But what else did I see? I saw people. I saw wrestlers, I saw commentators, and I saw best friends, Doubt the Stinger. That's right, Doubted the Stinger. So I heard Lex Luger say, I know where he lives, I know where he works out, I'm going to go get him. So I said to myself, I'll just go into seclusion, I'll wait and see what happens on Saturday night. And I tuned in Saturday night. And what did I see? I saw more of the same. More doubt. Which brings me to Fall Brawl. I knew I had to get to Fall Brawl and get face to face with the total package to let him know that it wasn't me. And what I got out of that was, no Sting. I don't believe you Sting. All I gotta say is, I've been a mediator. I've been a babysitter. For Lex Luger. And I've given him the benefit of the doubt. About a thousand times. In the past 12 months. And I've carried the WCW banner. And I've given my blood. My sweat and my tears. For WCW. So for all of those fans out there. And all of those wrestlers. And people that never doubted the stinger. I'll stand by you. If you stand by me. But for all the people. All the commentators, all the wrestlers, and all the best friends who did doubt me. You can stick it. From now on, I consider myself a free agent. That doesn't mean you won't see the stinger. From time to time, I'm going to pop in when you least expect it. Stick it. And this would be the last words he would say. 
and would not have another official match until Starcade 97, showing up in the rafters in black and white makeup. So he doesn't, we don't see him at all until then? No, you'll see him up in the rafters. He shows up. up. It makes so much sense for Sting's whole career in WCW. He's like always been there. He's always been a staple. He's never quite got the true top spot for any length of time, but he is the mascot of the show. The franchise. And, and the he, icon. And he did put up with Luger's shenanigans, mm-hmm. and it's it's great, and it's the best Sting promo we've ever seen. He's so clear and concise, and most Sting promos typically aren't great, and they're a little hopped up looking. And this is just like so focused and like poignant. What a way to transition to the next period. Why should he trust anybody? Nobody's ever done him any fucking favors. He's basically been anybody's best friend when they needed it to be, and he's done his job when he needed to do... Yeah, he's always done his job, and he's done it well, and uh, everyone else has fucked around, but Sting has stayed true. So if if he can't rely on anybody, he'll rely on himself, and he can't do that in the locker room. So, yeah, that shit's great. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Frawl Brawl 1996 War Games? It's a good show. I think that the the NWO stuff always, it doesn't feel like it's ever planned out enough whenever they end a show and it drags on too long. Like They're like, okay, and then we'll just go do that. But they don't have any like really poignant way to go out it's like oh we'll go knock over the announce stand but they don't really have it just they keep hitting the same notes Mm -hmm. and but taking too long to do it it would probably be more impactful if this ended like three minutes shorter because those three minutes feel like five and then the other thing is that it's wcw versus nwo nwo is five people and at the end of this why is macho the only guy that comes out why doesn't the whole locker room of wcw guys come out and try to do something if this is such a threat and that bothers me that like it's a complaint you're gonna have for ever ever i'm gonna have that i have that complaint in modern wrestling where it's like where's everybody else like why where is everybody else it happens in AEW. it happens in wwf I mean, every single AEW match ends in a schmoz, and nobody ever comes and helps anybody, and it just drives me up the wall. And there's times and places where, like... I don't agree with that statement. I doesn't expect... I mean, I'm being hyperbolic, but, uh, yeah, it's like, if it just bothers me that... I guess those guys would have just been fed to the wolves if they came out. I mean... They would have been buried before they had I mean, a chance to I was take say, a step. Like, yeah. Anything involving Hogan, it doesn't matter how many people you send out there. They're I still know. all going to get beat down. That's a good point, but that's just one of those things where it's like, well... Plus, they had to prove their point there that the only person that can take down the NWO is Sting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And without Sting, but it's it just, just not possible. And I guess it kind of adds to the thing where it's like, oh, Sting's like, oh, if you want to be WCW versus NWO, like... 
you could have even pointed out that nobody came out to help and that like obviously you guys don't fucking care anyway or this doesn't mean to, as much to you as it does to me so I can't trust anybody but I mean there's obviously sub subtext there but I think it would have been nice if you pointed something like that out but no the show's this is a, not a not a difficult watch. Mm-mm. We've had plenty of difficult WCW watches. Yep, I'll agree with the bulk of all of that. There, easy watch, in my opinion. Some of the matches, even though they weren't long, they felt longer than they needed to be. We're looking at you, uh, Callow and yeah. Hoovy. Callow and Hoovy. I mean, again with the not, not terrible. The the nasties and Booker. You know, it was a good match, but at the same time, I just feel like I've seen that match too many times. And I think this was the best one, though. I loved it. Well, hopefully this is the yeah. last one, but just between them. Yeah, it's I've, a, I've had my fill yeah. of, of nasties and the Harlem-Houston. The, the Houston Heat? Yeah. But no, I mean, other than that, the show was fun. It started off hot. It ended crazy. And then just the whole sting factor in it all. Yeah, the Sting angle great. is is great, and uh, it's obviously it feels like it's thought out. Unlike the Macho Hulk angle we just did, either early this year or last year, where it was just like a really crummily planned out rehash of the Mega Powers, and Hulk changing his mind midway through the match and yeah. deciding that. He didn't want to lose, or didn't right. want to lose the way he was supposed to lose, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. it just didn't work. But here, like it's. Even it works, this works so much better. Like Liz, everybody knows that they're not together anymore, but she still obviously cares for the guy. And you spray painted Miss Elizabeth, the first lady of wrestling. Yeah. And that Sting promo on that Nitro episode is so good. And I understand you can't incorporate that to the end of a pay per view or whatever, but it's almost a shame that yeah. it's not part of pay per view canon. What I will add to the end of the pay per view. What was cool with it being War Games was the last few War Games that we've seen, the last last person that enters the War Games is the one who seems to be beaten just like that. Or it ends up with a hokey finish where it shouldn't have ended the way it did, like with the Shockmaster and Booker T and their one. It was like a, a quick... Yeah. Slam or yeah, war games like matches where... never really pay off at the end. Yeah, you had that one. You had the the weird one with Larry Zabisco. I mean, I think that was the one of the best finishes. Like, is this is this one of the best war games matches? Just yeah, for because... yeah for like thematically, I think the the like what is the, it for the story that's being told? For I the think story, yeah, yeah. I like the Zabisco one as well, but this is a much better story because it's involves Sting. And not Larry Zbysko, and no shade to Larry Zbysko, because I think he's a great worker, but he's not Sting. No. And congrats uh, to Arn yeah. for making it through War Games without being stood upside down with his head stuck between two rings. They, yeah. they, they, it looked like they wanted to try it there at the very end. <laughs> Sting, yeah, Arn was probably like, you're not, not going to make me look like shit again. I did it last time. You guys, you guys have me do whatever you want all the time, and I'm okay with it. It kind of sounds like I like this show better than you guys. Cause I think I, it's a good show. I, this is a very strong showing for WCW as we get three capital W wrestling matches. Mm-hmm. No. Like, there's some sloppiness, don't get me wrong. But, but they're wrestling matches. They're, they are mm-hmm. true wrestling matches. And then Na- Nasty's and Harley is much better than it 
probably deserves to be. It's maybe my favorite match on the show. I love it. I can't go, can't go that far. I know. I know it's hard to say that because there's a Benoit-Chris Jericho match that is obviously the I'm best just show on the match. full on them. Best match on the show. No, I understand that for sure. <laughs> I completely understand. I completely understand. You then add from. in the craziness and the over-the-topness of anything involving the NWO. And this is peak WCW. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's, it's my round. It's my... Jam. Yeah. I like didn't. Jam. I didn't dislike the show. There's just I want to make a couple tweaks here and there. Some tiny ones. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so nice to see so many wrestling matches that are actual wrestling matches that are, you know, there's like even Ice Trade and Scott Norton is good. Mm-hmm. I, just, I think I think those two guys like. I heard submission match and I went. No, oh, but they no. worked it. Work, they worked it well and exciting. And I thought it was a very good match. They could have worked that a, such a different way, and I think they worked it incredibly well. Like the only, yeah, Conan's new coat of paint is nice. He looks, he looks mean. He looks like an ass kicker. I mean, he looked like an ass kicker before, but now he's like a cool ass kicker. With the racist letter shaved off of his head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was funny. I forgot about. <laughs> I his, he had that gone last time. His but... KKK. He's like, well, we don't have that in Mexico. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So, what are some of the best moments of the show? Sting throwing up the birds and walking out. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Like when Sting shows up, like he, they've done fake guys before, but they never look quite right. This fake Sting looked like Sting. Yeah. Like I thought it was Sting until. I mean, from a distance. From a distance, but they shot it well, too. Yeah. Like, they shot it from a good distance, and they also had the thing where, like, the Sting did the, like, entered the face promo from the back. So, but I thought it was way more convincing. Yeah. Like, at least his body and everything, because Sting, he's not wearing much, but the makeup, and he had the long hair, and he did a good job of doing Sting's like splash and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really nice because we've seen the Undertaker. See, I was going to point that out the, too. That and the, the two fake diesel. And the stuff. two men that have been held as the pillar of their companies, you know, during the Attitude Era, Sting and WCW Taker and WWF. It just realized or registered in my brain that they're each fought versions of each other or of themselves. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know if anybody else. That's has. a good yeah, it's a good point. The two guys it's like yeah. Undertaker, you know, worked very briefly in WCW, but he is never nobody really thinks about that. I'd argue that a lot of people don't even know that. Because he wasn't the Undertaker, that yeah. was Andy Mark. That was but like, totally different. Yeah, but like Sting has been WCW strong throughout his whole career until yep. it didn't exist anymore, and Undertaker essentially did the same thing uh once his career took off because what do you have? One, like two pay per view matches in WCW as Mean Mark Cows? Something like that. Yeah. Very brief. Rey Mysterio's double springboard back into the original ring for the Urukarana. Absolutely. Like run the ropes. Just those get Like, there's so much. There's good so much away. springboard stuff on this show that, like, it seems like a lot, but at the same time, it these guys are just so athletic that it's impre- it's still impressive to watch. Yeah, and it still looks it still looks more like a fight and less like uh less choreographed. 
then like when people start like really doing like super impressive stuff but it feels like a routine this still feels more like a fight and maybe that's because Hubi and Kao aren't quite as slick but even those guys extremely athletic they just there's no way they're not nervous and they're they're young but they still are they're still I think better in the ring than like a Devin Storm who's somebody we've seen on ECW who can do the stuff but still has that like that like sluggish hesitant vibe that these guys have as well but they're still a little further on than he is yeah yeah they do it with a class and and grace and yeah as opposed to just flinging themselves and you know hoping that they land (laughs) appropriately or okay hey sometimes that works i'm looking at you sabu (laughs) just throw caution to the wind or just throw your body in (laughs) yeah throw your body in a wall (laughs) deal how about most disappointing lex luther's eyesight Couldn't even recognize his friend. He looked into his eyes. Yeah, knew it was like him. literally, as soon as I looked into his, I'm like, "Did you?" Because yeah. I can look into Jeff Farmer's eyes and know that that's not. Yeah, Steve I can look Borden. into your eyes and see your nose is wrong, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um, like I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, I I understand. Yeah, like you have to you have to say that to spread the doubt. Yeah. But it also but, kind but of further but proves it's, but it's it also so like makes Lex look like a bad friend, which he has been. Mm-hmm. So oh, he's been like a horrible. So like so it's one of those things too where it's like oh okay like he's not even he can't even recognize his friend uh, when someone else is impersonating him. Like obviously like Lex, yeah, he's it, been a Lex isn't worthy of Sting's friendship. He's been a bad friend ever since he was sending you know Cactus Jack and. Abdullah the Butcher to attack Sting, and then, yeah. you know, once Sting beat him for the belt, he just got up and left. Yeah. I mean, their tag stuff recently was a good, compelling story, and this is a really great payoff for it, because it's like, oh, that was cleared up, but it's like, nobody forgets shit like that. It's like, you, you might be, try to get over it, but you don't forget it. And, yeah, it's nice to see Sting become a vigilante. And I never realized that he... Went on television and just told everybody, told everybody what he was gonna do without telling him exactly what he was gonna do. Mm-hmm. So like when it happens, it's gonna be cool and exciting because there's a new coat of paint on him. But he did just tell you. Yeah, he just I mean, told you what he's gonna do. He, he said he's gonna be lurking. He he went out there and did the. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. And the you're cool was to anybody that stands behind the stinger. What a fucking ultimate baby face. <laughs> Got a question. What is your least favorite match on this show? That's. I don't know if there's anything that's bad on the show. I'm not I saying mean, that there's anything bad. Yeah, just yeah. What's, least what's your least favorite? Because I mean, Giant and Macho. I think that's probably mine as well, just because of the finish yeah it's a lot and it's a lack of contest where all these other matches feel like a contest and then the last one of course is like a war with a solid build i really i think i said i mean i said well go i think this is one of the best war game matches that we've ever gotten no 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 i totally agree but it's it doesn't feel you know it's war games isn't a wrestling match but it also is very short yes yes it It is very short which is something that i liked about it um, but yeah, it's up there with the the Dangerous Alliance War Games one, which the ending of the Dangerous Alliance one I didn't care for, but 
the building up to the ending yeah. of the Dangerous Alliance one was just like an all-out bloodbath. Blood yeah. yeah. Beat the shit out there, of you. This is war moment. There was also the fun Pillman one where Pillman it's like <laughs> swinging off the cage and he's Which getting Which we like, almost had one of those instances yeah. in this match yeah. with... Uh, Nash power bombing Luger, like he lifts him up, and you can see Luger like Luger puts his hands up to make sure he doesn't hit the <laughs> yeah. ceiling. And it's yeah, but yeah, when they and then uh, I don't remember who does it, but they press slamming Pillman into Sid. up it into the cage. Sid. Sid, yeah, just pushing him up into the yeah. cage. Uh, that was another really fun, memorable yeah. war games. But a lot of war games do not deliver, and this no. one. Uh, did deliver, yeah. Yeah. and it delivered on an angle, which is kind of, I think, the best thing possible for war games, because it shouldn't be, like, war games shouldn't be the end of a feud, because it's not a great place for a feud to end. There's too many people involved, and it's hard to see everything that's going on. It should be a place for an angle, and I think that this absolutely nailed it. Yep. Of course, the Zabisco one does too, but it's not... It's just not as important because it doesn't involve it doesn't involve the people the same people. It doesn't involve Sting being the catalyst. It involves Larry Zabisco being that, and he's love him, but he is just Larry Zabisco. But how about best performer of the night? Is it Sting just for the fuck you? Yeah, moment? yeah. I mean, like not even including um, the promo after, because yeah. it's on the nitro afterwards. Yeah, but li- literally him just walking in and it felt so good. I popped for it. Yeah, like. He came in, did his thing, and, and told everybody like "fuck, fuck you." Yep. Yeah. The uh, Are you happy now. Yeah. Fuck off. Because <laughs> like I mean, Jericho Benoit. Yeah. Of course, I mean in in ring a best match. Yeah. But Sting, as a guy who never quite gets his flowers, I'd like to give him a whole bouquet. Yep. For uh, for tonight, a guy who should have been the top guy for the longest time and kept taking a step yeah. back and not making a big ordeal about it because he's that guy. Yeah, and now he does. Now he's about to reach the point where he doesn't even need a title. Mm-mm. He just don't need needs, a title. Don't nope. even need words. Yeah, exactly. He could have used one, and he still survived without one for so long. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and now now he's a you when know he's got something to say in the future. It just point that baseball bat. Yep. <laughs> yep. How about most surprising? I'm giving it to Norton and Ice Train because, like I said a while ago, should have been good. I saw a submission match and I was like, between these ooh, two behemoths, ooh. yeah. And it turned into a good match. Yeah, it was well worked and like they've had good storyline behind it. Like, mm-hmm. completely understood exactly what was going on. I didn't really think. I really didn't think they were going to do a double sting. Like I had no idea. I mean, I did know about yeah, that. So. I had no clue, so that was surprising. But it was really well done. Yep. This was no, what was it, Black Mask or whatever? Black Scorpion. Black Scorpion. This Which was... Jeff Farmer actually played one of him, too. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. So they went all the way back yeah. to the well. He's I mean, a... this dude's been around for a while. Yeah. He can do anything. He can be a Black Scorpion. He can be the Stinger. A Scorpion. He's mostly a Scorpion Is he still guy. alive? I have no clue. <laughs> Will he show up? Sting's farewell whenever that happens. Sting versus Sting farewell match. And it's Jeff Farmer and Sting. (laughs) He's going to come in one day and beat the hell out of Darby Allin and then it's going to be revealed that it's been the fake Sting all along. (laughs) Write it up. Send it in. (laughs) Send it in. Why not? 
Sting, I feel like Sting's on vacation at the moment, but you know, I'm sure he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Snow, you know, winter's coming, something like yeah, that. Yeah, good point. It is the summer. It doesn't snow. <laughs> the, it doesn't snow in the spring or the summer. So, making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Hmm. So this week, the category is TikTok. Five points for whoever is closest. Oh, oh I like this one. Oh. I normally do okay. So you can be over. You just have to be the closest. All right, let me open my fake clock real fast. So I'm going to give you a match, and you're going to tell me how long that match was. Okay. It's from ECW Hardcore TV from August 24th, 1993. Okay. And the match is Tito Santana versus Don Morocco with Freddie Gilbert for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. How long was that match? Damn. Damn. You got one? Shane's locked in. All right. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready if you're ready. Let's do it. Michael, your time is 9 minutes, 45 seconds. Shane, 4 minutes and 20 seconds. I want to say it was a quick match, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I felt it could be quick too, but it was like, <laughs> don't remember the match. The answer is 10 minutes and yeah. 2 seconds. Ah, I just felt that it was since it was a title match, it had to be a short title match. And see, but, I just remember, for some reason, I remember it being a, a quickie, but we only saw that one match with Tito and ECW. So yeah, it's... for sure. It is quick for a title match. Mm-hmm. It was also on Hardcore TV, so all those yeah. matches are pretty short. That's, that's a good point. Miss you, Tito. Is that the amount that, from start to finish? or did it's the they time that I got off of Wikipedia. Four minutes and 20 yeah, seconds. Yeah, that's, the, that's the cage match time. <laughs> episode 220. Hmm. So it feels like a good time for a score update. Absolutely. I'd love to hear it. I have no chance saying. kicking my ass. I don't think I am. I so, Michael... Are. You have 53 points. Okay. Shane, you are at 80 points. Oh, you're kicking my ass. Not really. I was kicking your ass way more than that the first time around. That's true. And we're getting close to the end, so only a few more chances to score points. Yeah, no, I need to study. Studying doesn't work for me. Is then we get to the actual answering part of it, and I say stupid shit. I know that. (laughs) It's one of the things where it's like, ah, it's like I... I can spout this shit off on top of my head, like tr- just general trivia stuff in conversation. But when somebody asks a question, you go blank. Next week, in your house 10, mind game. <laughs> Music from this week's show is Crazed by Nonstop Producer Series. And the NWO won our main event, so we play their music. Rock House by FCD Music. What was the, who did the first song? Non-stop producer series. Non-stop producer series. <laughs> they, they use, they use, uh, I don't know. Produced music. Yeah, the, yeah. The oh, okay. Free of, free of music that they can okay. use on TV. In my, my brain was. anybody for anything. My yeah, brain or it's, was processing or it's, yeah. that, like. 
the miracle violence connection thing. It's like those are just weird words, words to be thrown together. together. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, here's a bunch of cheap songs that you can like pull through, and then they just listen to them all, and it's like a really low licensing fee because somebody just craps out a bunch of like different fake, type fake of like of songs, of songs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a big thing, especially like in like country music. People do that with real songs. That's how that Chris Stapleton guy got to start. Was he like wrote a bunch of songs and then somebody would be looking for songs for their album mm -hmm. because they're not really a songwriter but they're a good performer. I've sang some of those songwriter songs before during my time in Nashville. Hell yeah, that sounds fun. If you like this episode, you can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts at. And Michael has a oh yeah, five stars or no stars. Uh, if you've seen our logo, uh, it looks like the Nitro logo. We've got some uh, magnets made, and uh, we'll send one to you free of charge if you leave a five-star review and then uh, screenshot it, DM us with your address. Uh, it might not be the fastest turnaround, but you will get one in the mail, and we'll go with, how many do I have here? I have Ten minus three, seven. seven. got seven of them. So the first, first seven, seven people? Yeah. Hmm. Do that? Yeah, we'll get you. We'll send you out a magnet. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I like magnets. WHX merch, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted a magnet. Who's gonna be the first? Yeah. Will it be you? Maybe you'll get two, and maybe only six people will get one. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, what was your favorite match on this show? What What, what was your least favorite? What was your least favorite? What would you have said if you were Sting? Um, Sting in the wrong. You're crazy. <laughs> Who wore it better? Real Sting or fake Sting? Let us know. Slide into our DMs. Hit us up on, on the Twitters. You know, it's it may win you a, a magnet. Who knows? Another quick thought. Do you think that Sting put on other Sting's makeup? <laughs> he had to have. Right? Unless Sting has a makeup guy, but I assume Sting did his own makeup. Just like LOD did, and everyone's kind of been the guy, their own makeup guy. Like even I think Goldust even did his own makeup. I just think it's really cute the idea of Sting putting on his makeup before they have this big angle. Do you think they stood there and did the mirror image oh, thing yeah. in front of each other? Like yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how he did such a good job being Sting. They like mind did a mind sync. Yeah, talk to us. I mean, you've you've listened to us thus far. Talk to us. Let us listen to you. You can do those things on our email at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Later.